Welcome to our mini-series, Unhinged Conversations, the podcast where Jen and I come together to dive headfirst into the chaotic world of marriage, macros, fitness, business, parenting, and everything else in between. I'm your host, Johnny. And Jen. And we're thrilled to embark on this wild ride with you. Let's go. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect from our mini-series. Unhinged Conversations is all about authentic, unfiltered discussions that leave no stone unturned. We're not here to sugarcoat or present a picture-perfect version of life. Instead, we're going to unravel the messiness, embrace the craziness that comes along with navigating various aspects and seasons of life. And over the course of this series, Jen and I will be sharing our personal experiences, triumphs, and even our failures. We believe that honest conversations can spark meaningful connections and provide valuable insights into the many challenges we all face. From the ups and downs of marriage to the pursuit of fitness goals, managing a business, and roller coaster ride of parenting, we're going to tackle it all. No topic is off limits and no opinion is too bold. We're going to dive deep, challenge the social norms, and even ruffle a few feathers along the way. Like Jen said, during these unhinged conversations, we hope to provide you with a fresh perspective on the complexities of life. We're not claiming to have all the answers, but we're here to explore the questions and open up conversations that often go unspoken. (laughs) Whether you're married, single, just starting your fitness journey, or you have been here a while, maybe you're a business owner or a parent, or maybe you're just curious about the messiness of life, this mini-series is for you. We're going to create a space where you can laugh, relate, and maybe even know you're not alone in your struggles. Our commitment to you is that we're not going to hold back. We'll share our personal stories, our lessons learned, and hard-earned wisdom. Our aim is to leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to take on life's unpredictable journey. So get ready for the chaos, the vulnerability, and the occasional dose of humor. Unhinged Conversations with Jen and Johnny is about to begin. Welcome to the Mind to Muscle podcast, where we focus on exercising our minds and our muscles. I'm your host and sweaty mama, Jennifer Loganville, and my goal is to empower you to live each and every day stronger than yesterday. Being the strongest in the room isn't only about your physical fitness, but your confidence and mindset. Here, I'm your biggest cheerleader as we learn how important it is to put your mind to muscle even before picking up the weight. Otherwise, what are you doing? Grab your water and get set up. We're starting in three, two, one. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Unhinged Conversations. Today, we are diving into a topic that many of us have encountered or heard about dealing with a narcissist or just unkind people. And we don't claim to know it all, but we are going to cover this topic and let you know what works for us. That's right. So before we get started, let's just address the the elephant in the room and let all of these amazing listeners know. This is... Sadly, our last episode of Unhinged Conversations. At least for season one. We'll listen to your guys' feedback if you want season two. Maybe I can sweet talk Johnny into it. But we're not only going to talk about narcissists and unkind people today because that can get really deep and heavy. 
We're going to have a little bit of fun first and then wrap it up with the unhinged part of this, okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. So first thing I want to talk about, our first episode, you talk about macros and that was you were just starting. We are several weeks in and so I just want to hear from you and I think the members want to hear from you on how are macros going for you, Johnny? Going good. I mean... It was a challenge at the first first week for sure. Yeah. And then we just got into a routine and seeing the results kind of, you know, two weeks in was eye-opening and we're at the end of month one, I would say. Five weeks in. Going five weeks in. Let me just say really quick, it is so much easier to follow your macros and feel fully committed whenever your spouse or partner is doing it with you. For years and years and years, I've done it alone, intuitively on my own, and it makes life so much easier when your husband will do it for you, whenever he, the skills on the counter, and they're enjoying it with you. Do you enjoy your macros? I do. I love macros. It's a daily little challenge. It's a daily challenge. Like, hey, how's your macros going? I don't know. How are your macros going? And we have a conversation about it. It's like a daily accountability check-in. Yeah. But you want to know what my favorite part besides, like, when you cook for me and you already like put a sticky note with the measured out grams of fat, protein, and carbs in that meal, that's obviously number one. Number two, we have a new term in our house and it is called snack club. Johnny and I both have really high carbs and I will be asleep in my bed and Johnny will come in there and wake me up and go, hey. You going to snack club tonight or what? Leaving me hanging. That's exactly what he says. He goes, your carbs are still 190. I think we got a lot of snack club damage to do. And so we have a toe. I've created a, I have OCD issues with my pantry and I need it to look very neat and organized or else it drives me crazy. And so over the last couple of weeks, I created a snack club container. That's right. I wrote Snack Club on it. I think I enjoyed that more than Johnny. I was like, hey, do you see anything different in the pantry? And it took him a minute, but I love it. It was uh, it was a little small on the labels. <laughs> I obviously missed it looking, looking at all the fine snacks. So what is a lesson that you've learned? A lot of members, after they follow macros for several weeks, they're like, I didn't realize that I was only eating fats and carbs. You feel like the same for you? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said on the previous episode, I didn't even know what, how many carbs were in a banana. It's like, oh, I'm being healthy. Let me let me eat a banana in the morning, then banana in you know the evening, and that adds up to sixty two carbs and two bananas. Yep. I'm just like, oh, I'm just over here, you know, I'm killing it, eating so healthy. So I get a lot of that. A lot of members will be like, hey, Jen, I eat so healthy. I eat fruit and nuts, and I'm like. Yeah, I want you to download this macro app and I want you to put all of the fruit and nuts in that you you ate for the day. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have 164 grams of fat in one day. And I'm like, yes, your cashews, you might think they're healthy, but they're not helping your body get the results that you want. That is why I love macros because it, they literally are made for you. I figure them for my members for you based on your body. There, no two macros are going to be the same for anybody. 
And so that's why I love them because they're so personalized and just amazing. Yeah, I was definitely not eating enough. You protein know, or past, carbs for protein you. Protein or carbs, yeah. I'd and say so like, I, off the get-go, I was like, this is way too much food. And now my body's adjusted and and feel like I'm running on race fuel. Yeah. Do you, How are your workouts? Are you feeling stronger? I feel way stronger. I see a lot of lean muscle gain with you. I've seen you leaned out a lot. So I've set his macros to a lean muscle gain because while we're in mine also, while we're gaining lean muscle, the more muscle you have, the more your body just naturally burns fat. And so with our activity level, where our bodies are at, our body comps, that is how I have figured mine and Johnny's. And that's not how I figure them for all, but I do it 100% personalized for you, your goals, your body, everything. And it's what's working for both of us. I've dropped a lot of body fat. I've maintained my breast milk supply. And we are only five weeks into this 12-week challenge, and we still have a long ways to go. The last, like, Three weeks, I'm really going to make those carbs. Yeah, I mean, my, go my muscle mass has gone up, and I had to go to the warehouse to get me some, some mediums. Yeah, I know. Getting, He's like, getting thicker. I'm wearing mediums and top notch. I'm like, I know. You're welcome. Johnny has always been naturally a really lean guy, really hard to like put on a lot of muscle mass, hard to put on weight. And so I've always told him for years, 10 years, you're not eating enough. And he's like, I eat all day. Had a banana for breakfast. I got a banana. And I'm like, you're just not eating enough. Finally, it clicked. And I'm like, you are going to figure macros with me. Here we go. And he was intimidated by it. I think it was like just the, you didn't know what to do. And now you're like, I love these. Can I be on macros forever? Yeah. And we have days where we're not perfect. Like a day or two here, a day or two there, where we're like, we've eaten out a lot. We're with friends. Life happens and that's okay. Doesn't mean you failed, doesn't mean give up. That just means you're going to start again the next day and you're going to crush your macros. And you don't have to think about one or two days that you had a hiccup or life happened because that is what we call balance. It's going to be okay. That way you don't get that burnout. You don't get burnout. You don't have to constantly be tracking. It's okay. Doesn't mean you had a bad week. Doesn't mean, you know, who cares? I don't care. We have it. I hope you do too. It's a, sometimes it's a nice breath of fresh air to just not track your macros for one day. And then guess what? The next day you're like, oh, here we are. It's okay. Life will go on. Then you hit that first workout after that, you know. Where you don't track. Big eating day. And then you're like, wow. I'm so strong. muscles are full. Yeah. So love it. Um, a question that I've seen a lot are... You know, whenever I started tracking macros, my kids had a lot of questions that they see me weighing my food and all this stuff. How do I explain that in a non-negative way? I don't want to create these bad food habits. And to me, our kids watch us weigh our stuff all the time. And now, Reed... It's hilarious. Reed's the one that just throwing the word macros around like it's going out of style. Reed loves it because he'll like throw his banana on the scale and he goes, how much this weigh, mommy? And I'll, I'll tell him. And then he'll pull off another piece. Be like, how much it weigh now? And I'll tell him. And and he goes, that and the protein make me strong? I'm like, yeah, it is. Let's go. And so the way we talk to our kids about food, it's not like a good food, a bad food, um, healthy, unhealthy. Because 
those are the site, the type of words that skinny, fat, those are the words that create bad habits, create an impactful negatives, like, you know, thought around food or weight in. Yeah. yeah, Don't say, oh, I'm doing this because mommy or daddy wants to get skinny. No, we're here to get strong. That, And I've said that for five years in my group, like you're, we are not here to get skinny. We're here to get strong. We're here to take up space to be confident, male or female, it doesn't matter. And so it's the words, it's what you're saying to them and what they're hearing and how they hear you talk to yourself and look at yourself. That's what your kids pick up. Those are the way you carry yourself is going to be what your kids remember, not what you weighed on the scale or not what, you know, you how much you weighed your food. They're not going to remember those things. So what I suggest is always talking about, oh, mommy's doing a workout so I can get strong and get big muscles. That is what my kids think. That's what they affiliate with me working out. Oh, mom's getting strong. Mom's getting big muscles. Same for dad. Then it turns into their mindset of like, oh, we're eating food. Well, why are we eating this food? To gain muscle. You have to have it so you have energy and muscle. Or in Reed's case, he, uh, he'll he just tell me that, hey, daddy, you need to eat all day long so you can get taller. I love that kid. He, says that. he thinks, I'm, he's like, I can't wait till you're 40. When you're 40, you're going to be so much taller. <laughs> I'm just like, sorry, buddy. Dad's done growing. Yeah, when you're 40, you're going to at uh, least be six He just foot. thinks you're continually growing your Well, because whole life. we tell him, like, you've got to eat this because you're growing and it's making you strong. And I tell him, it makes your brain grow. It makes all of your organs grow and you get stronger with your big muscles. So we don't really say, like, bad food, good food. We just say this has protein in it. This will make you strong and healthy. And this stuff has a lot of sugar in it and it'll make you just really feel like you've got a lot of energy and then you're going to crash and be really, really tired. So that's not really something that's going to help us get healthier. While it does taste yummy, it's not really benefiting our body in any way. Sometimes we like to have treats like that, though, and it's okay. We just have to make sure we don't have too much. And if you word it in stuff like, you know, sayings like that, it makes it connect their dots a little bit easier than, oh, Oreo equals bad food. Oreo makes me fat. No, don't talk about it like that. It's all on how you present it. So when you're, if you're worried about weighing your food and people seeing that, and your kids asking questions, it's about how you respond. It's going to be, mommy has to weigh this chicken because I need to make sure that I'm eating enough protein for my muscles so that they can grow and I can get stronger. That sounds completely different than if you say, oh, I'm weighing my food so I don't overeat and get fat or I need mommy needs to get skinny. Completely different. Like I even feel weird saying those words because we don't say fat skinny at our house. We don't say, you know, good food, bad food. We say strong and powerful and we're here to gain muscle and those sort of things. So again, reevaluate how you're going to say it to your kids. What are they seen by how you present yourself, how you carry yourself, how do you talk to yourself? That's what is going to make the everlasting impression on your kids based around food and weight. Yeah. And as soon as you put that effort into your macros, that's been the wildest thing is your, your body knows what's going on. It will, you know, it'll catch up real quick. Yeah. You'll start seeing those results, you know, quicker than you think. But also remember you didn't gain the weight overnight. You're not going to lose it overnight. And muscle takes a long time to grow 
So just be patient. That's where consistency, discipline come into hand. You're not going to have this huge transformation of muscle gain in a year. You know, in, in three months, six months, you can have a lot of fat loss, but you're in, it takes a long time to replace that fat with muscle. Consistency is the only way you're going to see that change. And yeah, that, that number on the scale, I mean, I'm, I'm the same weight. I mean, I've yeah. fluctuated a half pound or two. The up, total number doesn't up matter. Up or down, but you know, it's the way I'm feeling and my energy levels and your workout. My shirts are fitting. Yeah. So, like, Johnny's goal is to, I, like, going from a small to a medium, that's his goal. Like, I, he wants to gain the muscle, he wants to gain the size. And so, just make sure you're celebrating those non skill victories, those small things, and they're just as important as the big wins. Yes, like I'm a medium now and and that maybe is like, you know, not very important to some people as it would be if you are dropped, you know, 4% body fat. But while he's simultaneously dropping body fat and gaining muscle, he's focusing more on the personal changes of like, okay, now I'm lifting this certain weight on my dumbbells and it feels lighter. So he's gaining strength and those non-scale victories are... I think, in my opinion, more important than the scale victories. Yeah, absolutely. So same for me. Um, for me, it's been a really big challenge of like dropping body fat, maintaining my muscle, if not growing my muscle, while maintaining my milk supply for Ava. My non-scale victory is that I've done that. I've been able to, it's a scale slash non-scale, lose the body fat, gain the muscle, or maintain the muscle and maintain my milk. and that's a win for me. And just feeling more confident of like, okay, when I sit down, I don't have four rolls, now I have three. And so <laughs> that's what I like. But I am very hard on myself because I have to remember I had a baby less than a year ago. And so my skin is still stretched out. And so when I sit, it's a skin roll. And I am so easy to tell you guys, like, love your body and these things, and then be critical on myself, and then I have to tell myself, like, Jen, love your body. What would I tell a member? I, you literally just had a baby less than a year ago. Be nice to yourself. Give yourself a year to heal, if not more, because we're then feeding a baby for a year. So you have to give yourself grace, whatever your journey looks like. You didn't get like that overnight. It's going to take a long time to grow and gain the muscle and lose the body fat. So grace, consistency. And what's something else you would give them? What other piece of advice? Consistency is the biggest thing. Like if you hit your macros, you've got seven days a week. If you only hit them two days, you're not going to see results. I'm saying like 80-20, if not 90-10, depending where you want to be with your results. Like I'd say we are 90-10. Like we have 90% yes, crushing it, 10% real life balance. I would say even if if you can, track those days that you're you yeah. know, technically not tracking just to you know give yourself an idea of where you're at so when you do get back at it the next day you can be like wow I just beat yesterday you know yeah. so that's the, how you get back on track again yeah love that because when we leave to Sedalia you know to go hang out for the weekend with your parents we you know it's not completely free range but you know no. we're not technically tracking everything we're eating yeah yeah that's good so track on the bad days too. So then also you can look at it and be like, the, oh yeah, I remember we went and had, you know, 
dinner with friends that day. So that's why I'm over. Make a note. It's okay. It's going to be all right. You just do your best, but have consistency, patience. That's key. So we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going to talk about, um, I saw this quote. I saw it like six times this last week and I was like, okay, I got to talk about it because this is a sign. It was clients become friends faster than friends will become clients. That's 100. 100%. 100%. If you're an entrepreneur at any level, you know exactly what that means. Because your friends who you think are going to be the best supporters are actually some of the worst ones. Not all of them. Not all. Because we've got some friends that are awesome supporters. But we have more friends that before we started our businesses that were our friends that have disappeared since we've become entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it's not, I don't know that it's like you necessarily expect them to become clients or customers or whatever your business is. I think it's more of like. Even asking about it, just, just so weird. Yeah. Just be like, hey, it's how's it like, going? How do you like genuinely care? But they don't. Because they, they treat, think they're they genuinely treat you like the elephant in the room. They're like, oh, yeah, I can't look that direction. I think I they're genuinely just it. jealous. Yeah, just yeah. Man, jealousy is bitter. It can ruin a lot of things. It can ruin so much. And so I saw that quote, and I just had a giggle because I saw it one day, and then I was like, kept scrolling, and then it literally popped up on a completely different platform. It was like Instagram one day, then Facebook the next day from a completely different account, and I was like, oh, there it is again. And I've seen it every day since, and I was like, okay, I'm going to share it because it's true, needs to be talked about. And even that goes in hand in hand with family members. For me personally, I have had more clients, members that join as strangers become my best friends. All of my best friends today are members that I didn't know five years ago. My very best friends that the Lord knew I needed as people in my life are people who I I was not friends with five years ago. Yeah, My top 10 friends, so. I would say, are the ones who I didn't know five years ago. And they became members. And from members, we became friends. And from there, we've become best friends. And so it's powerful. And I have some friends who were my friends prior and they, you know, been members off and on, or some that have consistently been members, like shout out to Ashley Myers. Um, so many people, there are those quality friends that are good supporters, but there's some that are so bitter and you just are like, why? Why are you like, I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm just, just like even a question. You don't even have to be a client. You don't have to do anything. It's just like a, hey, how's it going? How's your business going? That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. So then I always keep in mind whenever one of my friends start a business, I will be like, hey, how's that going? Or I will purchase something from them because I know what it feels like to have your friend or a family member purchase something from you and how amazing that feels. And you're like, wow, they do care. And so I will never, ever, ever ask a friend or a family member for something for free because I'm your family member. Like you don't, I think family and friends think they instantly get a discount. And it's like, I have to pay my bills too, you know. 
And so I will never ask for if a friend or family start a business like for a discount. I will gladly pay full price because your time is worth something. Your energy is worth something, your idea. And so that's just like my advice from that point of view is we will never be those type of people who one, can't talk to you about your success or two, expect a discount because we know you. Never. No. So I think recently it takes me to a piece of advice that I have and it is, I've, I've read this many, many years. Um, I read it right when I started JGFG over five years ago. And it sticks with me every day. Know what you bring to the table. I personally know what I bring to the table. And who you let sit at your table will determine the success of your business and your happiness in life. Absolutely. And so... And I think of it as like two tables, sort of, but they all come together as one. So as a business owner in JGFG, I know what I bring to the table. This is my table, and you can either sit here or you cannot. And the choice is yours if, you know, we're doing like a business partnership or transaction. And I will only let people who I know bring benefits and pour into JGFG as a whole sit at the table. And I don't mean it in like a mean girl's term. It's like a, if you are going to exclude negativity into JGFG, you can't be here for that. If you can't match the effort and the energy of JGFG, you can't sit at the table with it in a business perspective. So like say you own like a car shop or something like that. That's your business. Your family owns a car car business of some sort. You're going to make a partnership. Say you were going to go into a partnership with somebody else and they bring, you know, value to your own business. Phenomenal. Like they know what you already have. They know what's sitting on the table. They add value to that. Let them sit at your table. Let them be a part of that. If you so choose. The minute they don't bring that value anymore, got to go. You are in charge of who sits at your table when you are an entrepreneur in your business. Because at the end of the day, it's your business and you are going to be the face of it if something goes wrong, if something is negative, if something makes your business look bad, got to go because it's your face, it's your business. And that one tiny little thing that makes it look bad, if you don't have control on that, it can ruin everything for you. One crack in the foundation. That's all it takes. One crack. You got to have that strong foundation for anything. And this that leads me to the main topic of this podcast is negative people in your life, a narcissist in your life. What does that look like? And I know you've heard a lot from me. Someone told Johnny recently, when you're on the podcast, your voice is very calming. I giggled, his face turned bright red. But it is. Johnny's the calm to my crazy. So we're. it takes us to our main topic of this conversation. In this last episode, we're going fully unhinged and personal. Like, you have to remember, this is personal for me and personal for Johnny. And it takes a lot to get up here and share with you guys. And so... um. 
We are going to try to share as much as we can in the best, most respectful way. Um, we're not out here to name call or anything, but we're just showing with what we have dealt with and how we feel it's really made our lives better. Yeah. We'll just shed some light on it. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with those negative people that are constantly nagging like and going? That cold, dark cloud over your head at, you know, any, any, chance you get a piece of that light through the cloud they're just right there they rain on just it rain on it that is non-stop what i like to call again. a narcissist and i had no experience with a narcissist until i married you and it's not you you are not a narcissist let's quickly define a narcissist so what is a narcissist all right, so the definition of a narcissist is an individual who displays a personality disorder characterized by an excessive and exaggerated sense of self-importance, an intense need for admiration, and a lack of empathy for others. Narcissists have an inflated sense of their own abilities, achievements, and importance, often believing they are superior to others. They seek constant validation and attention and may engage in manipulative behaviors, which is number one, to maintain their self-image. Narcissists often have a lack of empathy, struggling to understand or relate to the emotions and experiences of others. Their interactions and relationships tend to be self-centered and focused on meeting their own needs and desires. So that's the textbook definition. Okay, so what I got out of it and what two really powerful things for me and why I say I never had experience with a narcissist until I married Johnny is because this narcissist is in Johnny's family. It's my dad. There we go. He ripped the (laughs) bandage straight off. off the bandaid. It's his dad. Grew up with a narcissist my whole life. Just put my head down, powered through, and it's taken me, well... A long time. A long time to... You know, finally just rip off the Band-Aid, cut off the cancer, and start living life. Yeah. Remove that rain cloud. That's right. And so when I say that I didn't know what a narcissist was until I married Johnny, I mean that because a narcissist can fool people around them if they want to on who they are as a person. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. So when I say that I didn't know what a narcissist was until I met Johnny, it's because a narcissist can oftentimes fool everyone around them to think that they are someone that they are not. And they usually pick one person to pry on, one to two. And it's interesting because we've both read this book and I've been studying this for a couple years now and they can make everyone else think that they are somebody else but this one person or these one to two people that they just pry on is like they just pull them apart break them down make them feel like nothing they pick out everything that they see light in that person but it's an insecurity of themselves That's what I think of it as. Like he sees that you have all these amazing characters that he lacks. And that's why he picks on you and has your whole life. To the point where Johnny has just been, everyone's like, oh, Johnny's just quiet and he's all these things. 
No, that's like mental and emotional abuse that he's gone through his whole life. Of put your head down, no attention on you, or else you get lectured for hours. Yeah, you basically just get torn apart, you know. I call it like the fluff. Like when a narcissist is around you, they just constantly talk, 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 talk about themselves, and they can never put, you know, any attention on anybody else. So they just fluff up this huge, you know, story after story, you know, just. And that's what it was. Self-gratify themselves. Yeah. Nonstop. And you, you leave, you know, that conversation. And you're like, oh, that person wasn't so bad. You know, they just they just talk a lot. For 10 years. That Well, it's been two years. We haven't spoke to him. For eight years. I was like, your dad's not bad. He's he, he, is, he talks a lot, like about himself. He's very self-centered. He's never once been like, how are the kids? What's life like? No, it's always like, let me teach you this lesson. Hey, yeah. He talks. He will corner you. Every one of the siblings are like, don't get cornered. You get see him get cornered and you try to run. Then it's game over. And he'll, some he'll of it I think he means well. Hours. Until I learned. Until I then got attacked by the narcissist. And you were once on the receiving end. I was on the receiving end. And let me tell you. And you were no longer blinded. That is absolutely right. I was You were shook. blindsided. I was blindsided by the narcissist. And you can't fool me. I am such an intuitive person, but I was fooled. And Johnny tried to warn me, and I was like, he's your dad, whatever. You just dealt with his whole life. To the point where I almost dismissed Johnny's feelings that he was trying to tell me about this for our whole marriage until I was blinded, until I got attacked by the narcissist over an event that was totally mine and Johnny's choice. It was, it was this was a me and Johnny choice. Speaking of, we get to we get to make life choices because it's mine and Johnny's life, our marriage, our family. It's not a I married into your family. It's a this is our family once we became married and had children. Yeah, absolutely. And so we made choices for our life, and then we got attacked for them because this person did not agree with our choices. And wow, the things said were unimaginable. Like I've never been spoken to in that way before. And I would get a text and I'm like, what did he's like, welcome to the narcissist life with welcome my dad. Welcome to my life. That's what he would with say. With my dad. Like this is literally my whole life. And I would be like, you have been verbally abused like this your whole life. And he's like, absolutely. Like this is nothing actually compared to what it's been like my whole life mind-boggling let me just tell you and because we made this choice our marriage will fail our businesses will fail god will take our blessings away from us like what and so i was shook to my core i'm like i don't even know how to respond and johnny says no response is the best response to a narcissist jen it's been working it's been two yeah, years. It really has. Two years of no response from me and Johnny. And we still get messages once a month or every couple months about, and it, it's the same thing. But it's it's wild because narcissists, they'll, they'll try to come at any and every angle. So like one angle will be like, 
hey, you remember that one time like 20 years ago when I was, you know, in his mind being a great dad at that moment and he'll just like bring Recall up you know, memory one that, memory yeah. and try to like, try to hook you. And then, you know, you ignore that one. Then the next one's like, hate, 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 you know. And, and then it's, I'm the one. Johnny, we miss you. Jen's so mean to you. She's taking you from us. And I'm like, what in the world did I do? And so I'm good with all nine of my siblings. Yeah, all nine. Or I all guess eight all of them. eight. So all nine of us siblings are, are all good. The, good with my mom, but my dad is just like. Yeah. He's, he can't get over himself and he never but has here's the been thing, able like, to. None of your other eight siblings really see it because they've never been the victim of the narcissist. Well, they've never been the victim and they do the same thing I did. Like just put your head you put down your and head ignore down, it. ignore it and Oh, that's how he is. Just walk away. You but know? no one of the the but nine. No one's been able him. to stand up to him. So Except for Jen. At that moment, back two years ago, I basically told him that it's done. Yeah. Like you're done doing this. He can't handle it. And it's game over. You're unhinged. Yeah. And that is where I this was, that's came where this from. whole name came from. He said something in he's one of his said texts. he's gonna tell all my siblings that I'm unhinged. And he's a dangerous man to and be around. I am a dangerous man to be around. And so, you know, that's okay. I like me a little dangerous man. I kinda <laughs> find it pretty sexy, actually. So So like growing up with my dad, it was Pretty much you could never do anything right. And that's where I guess people looking at me are like, well, Johnny's just a perfectionist. Yeah, and I can see that up to And I today. kind of am now, you know, a perfectionist because I was morphed to think that way. Yeah. I was morphed to It's not think good enough unless it's perfect. I can't ever do anything right. So I have this constant battle, you know within that I questioned myself and grew up questioning myself, am I actually doing, you know, the right thing when obviously clearly I was, but you had no positive reassurance. There's like, never yes. yeah, there's never any positive reassurance, you know. Like great job so, out there tonight, Johnny. You crushed the football game. You did so many things right. It was always like you could have done better. You did this wrong. You know, you could have had one more touchdown, you know. Right. You could have had one more better block. You could have, you know. That builds so much. You have much. a blowout game, win by 54, and you still get, you know. You're not good Told enough. about all the things you did wrong. Not one thing you did right. And, you know, that that was in sports. And, you know, that connection with father-son, you know, that that's a huge connection in the right. sports world, you know, for those that are in it. But, I mean, even down to... You know, classroom. I yeah, mean, or even like just. The I wasn't way you like would... a straight A student, but you know, I was getting good grades. I did study. Everybody could have probably studied harder in high I school, mean, yeah. but you know, it was always nonstop. Like everything you do wrong, I was never encouraged for the things I did right. So that's so, where I had that constant battle, you know, with myself, and I have, you know, even. When we started our trucking business, I had that daily struggle in my own head. Like, 
did I make the right decision? Like I'm sitting here pursuing my dreams, but you know, the whole step by step, I was constantly questioning myself just because the way I was raised to think, you know, you're not good enough. You can't do this right. You know, you can do nothing right. This episode is sponsored by Top Notch Athletics. We customize tailored clothing for those that are here to get things done. We design clothes for those that never settle. The peak performers, the ones that never sell themselves short of the best. The high risers, those that never quit. The strongest in the room. Step into these clothes and your mindset shifts. You become top notch. Check out tnclothing.com to become your top notch self. So I guess tell our listeners, because I can guarantee we have hundreds who are like, yep, wow, this sounds familiar. Maybe some who also are like, I didn't know what a narcissist was until today. Or, wow, I was also raised by a narcissist parent. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was a grandma, a dad, a sibling. Maybe one of your siblings is a narcissist and they have treated you in that same form, making you feel like you have nothing positive about you, that they only point out the negatives. They only are mean to you or they nitpick and they look so nice and friendly to everyone else, but they are truthfully so mean to you. And I have never had, you know, that experience until recently. And you just have to realize that a lot of times people pick on you and they they choose to be mean to you. It's because they see what they wish they had in themselves in you. So you're not doing anything wrong. And I it didn't it's taken eight years of being with Johnny for him to even feel confident to tell me those things that and the way he felt because in his head he talked himself out of telling me those things before he could even tell them to me and so we had this huge breakthrough moment as like a communication in our marriage of how he felt how he was raised and me being who I am to my core I am like what You are the strongest, the best person I've ever met in this world, and you feel like this? And so it was a hard conversation that we had because Johnny is not great at talking about his feelings. I am not great about talking about my own feelings. I'll talk about everyone else's, but I don't like to talk about my own. And so the communication is a key to a marriage. Communication is key to any strong relationships. You have to communicate with people. Find someone who you're close with and feel safe with to talk about this with. Maybe you don't even realize you are a victim of a narcissist or a manipulative person until listening to this. And it's just like, you're like, yes, 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 that's me. Just know that you are not alone, that there's so many people out there, you know, living like this. And it's not you, but we're here to tell you today, set the boundary. Absolutely. Set the boundary or else it will continue your entire life. And life is too short and you are too amazing of a person to not see your own value and what you bring to the table as life, as a person, not only an entrepreneur. Who, what do you bring to the table as a person? Ask yourself that. If you can't think of five things that you bring to the table as a person, what do you love the most about yourself? Immediately tap off five things. I feel like maybe you're a victim of some sort of manipulation 
of being told you're not good enough. And maybe that manipulation's your own in your own head. Maybe you are manipulating yourself and talking yourself down and emotionally abusing yourself, telling yourself you're not worthy, I'm not good, I'm not all these things. Maybe you're doing it to yourself, but you had to learn it from someone. So take a look around and set a boundary. I'm not saying cut them off and not speak to them for two years, but I'm also saying if that's what that needs to look like, then you create the rules of your life. Because I, if you would have asked me two years ago, if we'd be sitting here right now in our kitchen talking about his dad on my podcast, then I would have said you were absolutely insane. But we are because guess what? Johnny is emotionally secure enough now to be able to do that. Two years ago, I don't think you were. No. I mean, I was pretty much raised to not talk about your feelings. Right. And I, this person. You were told how you should feel about your feelings. So, I mean, early on, I couldn't couldn't come to my parents for anything. Like, hey, I'm feeling this way. It'd be like, well, I'm not going to do that because I'll just basically, it it was like a dictatorship, you know, growing up. That is wild to me. I was raised in a completely different. We were not raised to talk about feelings or all nine of you. Anything. No. That's crazy to me. I wasn't necessarily raised like to talk about my feelings, but I was raised like, it's okay. My dad and I actually would sit down. He'd get home from work and we'd sit. How was your, he would ask me questions, be in my life every day that he wasn't busy. Some days he, you know, we didn't, but most of the days after work, he would sit down. How was your day? What'd you do? He remembered something from yesterday. How did that go? Like asking questions, trying to be relatable to me and in my world. And that is what, like, those are moments that I remember more than anything. And that is why I am the way I am with my kids. The minute I get them from school or I'm in their presence after school or after I get off or whatever, we get home from the office, I'm like, how was your day? Tell me something you love. Tell me something maybe you didn't like. Get in their world as quickly as you can before they forget or before it builds too much where it's not fixable. And so can you say like you and I parent completely different in a, in a feelings level? And I'd say since over the last two years, you've completely transformed since you've let go of the narcissist in your life. Yeah. I mean, even when we were dating, I kind of. You've never. Let you know, like, I want to, I can't wait to be a dad yeah. so I can be a good dad. Like, yes. And you are the that best. That was dad. like my motivation, you know, in my situation is like, I can't wait to be a dad so I can do. You've always you said know, that. Opposite of what right. my dad did. I want to do the complete opposite of how I was raised. And I've always thought that was crazy and I never fully understood until two years ago. And I was like, I get it. The one, it, it took one text for me to be like, I totally understand what you've said the last eight years. And I'm sorry it took me now because they are so good at manipulating everyone around them to not see what this one person sees. And maybe that's who they are for everyone else is what everyone else is seeing. But they are such a different person to that one person that they are hurting. And they don't even realize they're hurting you is probably what it is. The more I've read about narcissists. Um, well, they just can't believe they do anything wrong anyway. So, right. You know. Yeah. 
it's wild. They're arrogant. They're envious, but they don't know how to like say those things. They, I don't know, they harbor feelings. Um, and they, I think that's what it is. They harbor feelings of envious. It's like kind of like what I was saying. They envy you because maybe he sees this character of you that he doesn't have in himself. Same for you. Maybe this person is mean to you and manipulative to you because you have this awesome trait that they don't have. I will say Johnny used to be a, if Reed cried, he'd be like, come on, Reed, boys don't cry. Like, come on, dry it up. Let's go. And I'm like, you know what? He's allowed to. I would be the one who's like, he's allowed to cry. He's four years old. It's going to be fine. Because losing, and he's like, he's not crying over socks. I remember this. This is one of our fights. And I'm like, Johnny, he is four. And if socks to him or his whole world, and if his socks don't feel right on his feet for school, that is his entire day ruined. I get that it is such a small, tiny little thing, and it is taking up entirely way too much of our morning. But he can cry over socks because socks to you would be a flat tire in your world. And so socks for a little kid's a big deal. So that's just how like I was trying to relate it to Johnny. And then I will say it took a couple months of like that kind of a similar conversation. And then I noticed this switch in Johnny where he would be like less frustrated with the kids and they get upset about something that is a big deal to them. Because I think I put it in perspective to you of like socks to read is a, a flat tire for you. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, I mean, we've talked about it several times. I'm like, that is the epitome of my dad. Like when I said that, and I was yeah. like, she you pointed that so out. You so mad at yourself. And I was like, okay, not doing this anymore. Like this is exactly the thing I don't want to be. Yeah. And I didn't even realize like that would sound like what he said sound like his dad. I just was like, no, no. Reed, you can cry because socks are a big deal for you. We're not making it an hour event, but like go find your right socks and put them on. Let's go. But you have to put yourself in their world for a minute and realize and maybe relate. And I hope that helps some of you connect those dots of like, okay, a mix match this is a big deal. Maybe that would be a mix match clothes for you going to work. Like you got to you got to stop and think in their little world for a minute. And so another thing that Johnny has been working on is like public speaking, talking and knowing that it's okay to say the first thing that comes to your mind. We've been working on that at our house with Johnny because he was raised to not really talk because the less attention you got, you always say this, the less attention you got, the less you got in trouble. Yeah, I mean, the less critique, you know, yeah. if you don't talk, I mean, how can you be critiqued on, you know, how you should be thinking and what you should be doing at all times, you know? So you just married someone who talks enough for both of us. Yeah, and, th- and it was perfect. And now I'm like, okay, now I got to get out of my shell. And number one, get out of my own head because, like I would tell Jen, I would, I would like leave a conversation with somebody that, you know, I really liked and felt like I could have connected on a deeper level with and I'd always come away with like why didn't I you know just say what's on my mind at the time yeah and I told her because it's just this internal dialogue that I have like I feel like I'm thinking three conversations ahead of where I should be saying because I'm like okay if I say x okay that's gonna lead to this and 
wait, let's backtrack. What if I said this instead? And like, you know, then that moment's gone already. Do you feel like you've missed so many moments in your life where you could have conversated easier as you can now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you've known this. So know. this is a funny story that has kind of been since we've been together. Yeah. Like the drive through. Oh my gosh. This is Johnny's biggest pet peeve about me. Well, it was because, you know, you get you get an order wrong from a drive through You know, most people are going to be like, okay, hey, you got the order wrong, you know, at the pickup window. Me, I'm just like, okay, I want to avoid all conversation. Yeah. Like, nope, we're eating this drive off. Like, let's go. Yeah. And now it's to a point where, like, finally I can be like, hey, can you? Hey, could you correct this, you know, for me? But. We're not sending the food back, but it's more like, hey, you forgot the ketchup. Could we get the ketchup packets? Before he had been like, we're not eating with ketchup then. And the reed's melting in the back. We don't have ketchup for the fries and it's a whole deal. Now he can ask, hey, can not I Not only that, it's ketchup? like Addie doesn't want cheese on her cheeseburger. Right. And that's a huge deal for her. And I'd just be like, I'm going to peel it off and let's go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and now it's like, okay, I can correct this and i can be I confrontational like called, maybe i think you had social anxiety with it yeah that too because i think you talked and you got in your own head well I, because it's like if you know in my mind me saying something to that person i would like backtrack and be like okay maybe i'm in the wrong in this situation even though i'm not but i'd be like okay let's not even you know Let's not even go there. Some of so my therapist members are probably like, ding, ding, ding. You're a victim of a narcissist. Yeah. Because that mindset right there. And so it's so wild to me because I was, I don't know that. And it's still like, I can't even say I'm a victim to the narcissist because I've never fed into the narcissist of allowing it to happen to me on that level. Of where I then question myself. I have such a dominant personality where I'm like, no. And yeah, it's easy for you. You just like right off the handle, like, no, you're not going to treat me like this. To you know, how is Whereas that? Whereas like? me, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to just dip out of this conversation. How did you marry me? Give the middle finger when they turn around. Right. Johnny's <laughs> like, but let me just tell you, Johnny can cut you with his words when need be. He's the quietest, most loving, caring, roll off his back. Nothing bothers him until you push him to a level. And then you do not want to be on the receiving side of Johnny at that level. And that's where the relationship with his dad got. And everything he said was very well spoken, very well respected. But it was never ugly on Johnny's side, ever. And it's just very valid points, but that's where a narcissist is at too. Like you can, I tell Jen this all the time because she's like, okay, I'm just going to send this back. I'm like, no, Jen, you could write a 2000 page novel and it could be backed by the number one writer, narcissist in the writer in the world. Mm -hmm. And he will find one sentence in there and manipulate that and completely, you know, not even look in the direction of right. where the actual conversation or where out. the actual problem is at. Yeah. They they are that manipulative that they can tell themselves in their mind that, no, I'm not doing anything wrong. I've never done anything wrong. And, you know, just and they, they will take that. They'll yeah. take that to the grave 
And that's where I'm like, you you can't deal with a narcissist. Because I just want to be like, just say you're sorry. And this whole thing could go away. But could it really? I don't think so. Because no, you can't change them. I mean, I know. they are who they are. It's so like hard said, to you get can through give my sick head. So much effort into trying to correct that. It'll never change. And it's like the saying goes, it's like kicking a dead horse. Like you will not change a thing. Yeah, that's true. I listened to this narcissist podcast. It was amazing. And the the interviewer said, Okay, what is one piece of advice that you have for Someone who's dealing with a narcissist and the lady was a psychiatrist specializing in, you know, relationships and how to heal from a narcissist. And she said, never try to correct a narcissist. Never point out that the narcissist has hurt you. Never feed into them, which validates you on silence. Yeah. I mean, like you already know. And I said my final farewell in a sense. Like, yeah, this is what you've done. This is why you're wrong. And I left it at that two years ago. And like I always say, I I sleep great at night. He says that all the time, and I put <laughs> it's it one in of my so favorite scenarios. Like Jenny, well, if there's anything like you know, what, what do you think happened? about that? And I'm like, man, I sleep great. I slept great last night. And I was up all night worrying about it. I've been losing sleep for two years over this. Of like, if we could just rekindle this and fix it. And he's like, there's no fixing this, Jen. I'm like, okay. Just want to make sure that like, if something happens tomorrow, you're solid. He's like, I sleep great at night. I just can't even wrap. So good. I can't wrap my mind around it. Waited 30 years for this kind of sleep, homie. I know. Here you are getting the best sleep of your life for two years. Right. Um, okay, so tell people the book that you read. What do you think that you took away from that in a positive way? Do you think it's worth reading? I think it's, yeah, it's definitely worth reading. And like from someone who, like me, who doesn't talk about their feelings and didn't think that, you know, like, I didn't think that this was, you know, going on to anyone else. So I thought the book was very relatable since kind of made me feel like, hey, I'm not the only one out there. You're not. There's so many people. You don't so have to hold on to people. it for 30 years like I did. It can be your spouse. Like I said, family, mom, dad, brother, sister. The book is The Narcissist in Your Life by Julie L. Hall. What it does, it says it's recognizing patterns and learning to break free. And I have broken free. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You're a completely different person emotionally in your mental space than you were two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was killing the entrepreneur game and killing the dad game and husband game. But these two years, I mean. So it says. Julie Hall, this is a little bit on the back. Julie Hall is an advocate for survivors of narcissistic abuse and the voice behind NarcissistFamilyFiles.com. A writer and editor, her articles, essays, and poetry have appeared in Ruder Huff Post, Seattle Times, The Nation, it goes on. And she lives in Washington with her family. So here 
she talks about her experience, how to break free. It validates these feelings that you have. And maybe you, like Johnny said, he didn't realize other people were feeling like this. He got this book. He chose this book himself. We were in Barnes & Noble. And he's like, I'm going to buy this book. I think I need to read it. And I was so proud of him. I think she was more excited than me. Like, I was excited to read it, but I think she was more excited seeing me want to read it. Yeah, because I was a huge growth step for you. Like, it was. mentally, like, to be able to pick up a book and know that you self-healing your inner child. Like, that is the ultimate goal of a life win, in my opinion. And so many, I have been working on healing, like, you know, my inner child and like things that I struggle with. And so that has been so freeing for me and relationships that are not solid in my life that I can't seem to let go. Like that's been so freeing for me to know that there's a point where you just have to let go of those toxic people, even though you maybe crave this relationship with them. And I know you probably crave that fatherly relationship with someone, but you've never had it until I would say, I've never had it until I met Stephen Wayne. Stephen Wayne is the dream dad. That's right. It's my dad. I claim him as my dad. I know. And we joke sometimes because I think he likes Johnny more than he <laughs> likes me. And I'm she his did, favorite daughter. She did joke with uh, Steve the other day. She said, all right, dad, if I if we got in a fight and we both call you, who you're answering? He's going to answer Johnny. He didn't. <laughs> he just looked straight he at Johnny. Did, he looked at me and. Just gave Jen the look. She's like, are you? Because I think he knows he's trained me my whole life, prepped me to be strong enough for that. But I think he knows, you know, he's been Johnny's number one supporter outside of me through this relationship with his dad. My dad's always been the one who was like, you know, he's your dad. I hate that for you. But I'm always here to listen, offer advice. He's like, I don't know what that relationship's like with your dad, but always a positive reassurance for Johnny and him and my dad are best friends easy and Johnny fulfills that like son role for my dad that he didn't have and my dad fulfills that father role for Johnny and there's so many times where Johnny's kind of morbid about the topic now because I said something about I was talking we were eating dinner with my parents and I was talking about like a childhood story and you just abruptly interrupted and go, yeah, I can't think of one fun conversation I've ever had with my dad. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so much so, like, relate back to the one time as adults with our children that we invited your dad to go fishing and it was a complete bust. Like, oh we, I gosh. was like trying to make this work. I knew this was like four years, three years ago. So a year before this big event happened. I was like, Johnny, you, we always invite my parents to go do stuff. We always invite my dad to go do stuff. Like, let's go, let's invite your dad to go fishing out at our land with us. And so we can check it out. We can check it out. Hang like, out with the kids. Maybe this can, can start something really good for maybe you. Maybe this could be a new tradition going fishing together. So we did. We invited him. He shows up like an hour late and then, um, and then proceeded for an hour and a half to, lecture me on how I should be investing my money and doing all these things and nothing about fishing nothing about fishing nothing about hey 
Hey, grandkids. How's school going? How's school going? Do you like dinosaurs? Do you like anything? Like, no questions. It's a straight, like, hour and a half, two hours of lecture. Yeah. And, like, that's what I always, I, I call him, he's, he's philosophical. Like, in his own mind, mm-hmm. he could hop up on the podium at the White House and educate the world. Like, yeah. that's how he... Bless him with their presence. Thanks himself. You know. Like he he blesses us with his presence. Yeah. That's what a narcissist does. He likes um back in the day when we were around him, I remember one Mother's Day, he gave me advice on how to run my business, on how everything I already teach women about how and everything I preach. And I just sat there and I'm like, Okay. Yep, thank you. Thanks. Uh-huh. And Johnny's kids have a walks away. Like it's so much that you don't even really recognize it. And you're just like, oh, he just talks to talk. But Johnny, can he sees it. And I would get, you know, talked into these conversations and you don't know how to exit and leave. And he would just like walk away. And I was like, do you listen? He goes, no, I don't. I go into, I listen to nothing about anything that's being said. Because I've heard the stories. I lived in the stories. Nothing's changed. It's always what it is. We only pick out the highlight parts of my life to talk about. It's never like the real stuff that happened. And so it's, from my perspective, it's been wild to almost be lied to. A narcissist can pick out that one moment in time where, you know, they helped you do something and, you know, try to hold that over your head. And it's like, well, what about the 9,999 other things that you did wrong? Like... You know, they will hold on to that one moment that they may be, you know, yeah. can, you know, the golden light. So what I like about this book, The Narcissist in Your Life, it has bullet points of like family roles, narcissist, two narcissist parents, codependent partner, uh, maybe narcissist grandparents, enabling a closet narcissist, um, the scapegoat, the mockingbird, flying monkeys. A hero, the caretaker, the golden child, how the narcissist um, will most of the time find a golden child of the family and compare every other sibling in that family, comparing it to the golden child. Mm-hmm. Are you the golden child? <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, the lost child. And sometimes that even, like, with an, it says in here, like, how a narcissist parent can almost make a narcissist child because it's like their ways. And then now you have this narcissist. It's the only way they know. So then that person becomes a narcissist. Maybe to their, maybe to their significant other. Yeah. So if the child sees the parent treating one of the other children like that, you know, they're obviously going to pick up on that. Yeah. And then maybe that's how that person becomes a narcissist. And then that's how they treat their wife or their child or it is a book that I think if you feel compelled to read, if you even question if maybe there's a narcissist in your family or you've dealt with some, a boss of something at some point, then you should read this book. I think it'll be healing for you. It'll help you um, how to you know, cope and move on and heal. I think it's definitely worth it. Johnny got it at Barnes Noble. It's all over Amazon. I looked before we made this podcast. And so 
I hope that was long winded, but I sure hope that helps you at any just to break free, set boundaries to eliminate negative people in your life. If that's what that looks like. Um, Focus on growth and healing and you focus on those two things. You can, you can cut that person out and limit that person, but focus on you and you will become stronger. I mean, this is two years now and this is like even laying the building blocks on even further the way we raise our children. Yeah, for sure. And just more motivation and, you know. And it doesn't have to be where you, you know, to our kids, we don't talk bad about his dad at all. We allow our children to see him. We go, we see him at family events, hug him, talk to him, offer whatever kind of relationship they want to have with a certain guideline. But if but they we, want to talk to him. We just don't invest. No. Time in it. So we're not saying be mean to that person or, you know, be ugly and cut them out and disrespectful. None of those things. I think after you read the book, you'll feel, you know, better. You can heal yourself, talk about it, find someone safe to talk about this with. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you, Johnny, for getting on here and talking about it. Because that's not an easy task, one, to get on the podcast, but two, to talk about your inner child in in hopes to help somebody else realize that healing is possible no matter your age and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you don't even realize how much potential you have as a person until you let go and you're free. I agree. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Appreciate it. And we always end on a quote. And this is our last podcast of this season of Unhinged Conversations. And so I'm going to let Johnny wrap this up with the quote of the week. The quote of the week, your personal boundaries are not walls meant to keep people out, but filters to determine who deserves a place in your life. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you for being here with us. We love you. You're strong. You're powerful. You're worthy. Bye. Bye, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind to Muscle. If you'd like to tune into future episodes, don't forget to follow me on your preferred listening platform. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure and leave a review. I really appreciate those. Don't forget you are strong, you are powerful, you are worthy, and you can do hard things. I love you guys. Bye.